What's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Mouth of the South podcast, the gold standard in New Orleans Saints podcast. I am your host, Darian Gray, and as the title may suggest, I am the Mouth of the South. And today's quote of the day comes from the great Curtis Jackson, better known as 50 Cent. Sunny days wouldn't be so special if it wasn't for rain. Joy wouldn't feel so good if it wasn't for pain. And that's how I'm feeling right now, because things are down, things are doom and gloom. However, that little quote right there, in a way, kind of summarizes how I felt about the first three quarters of the Saints game. And I'll get into it as we get into the podcast. On today's episode, we're talking about Taysom Hill and the evaluation of his performance and how it changed drastically due to a couple of late interceptions. We're going to discuss the biggest problem with the defense. That'll be ever so brief, but just the biggest problem with the defense, even in a performance that was pretty good. And then lastly, the injury history of the Saints, not just right now, but throughout the season. So let's talk about Taysom Hill. And Taysom Hill's day changed dramatically after he threw that interception to Trayvon Diggs. I was in the midst of texting a friend of mine, you know, I mean, y'all family, I ain't going to. I was texting my guy, Chris, friend of the show, and I was telling him about how, you know, I really don't feel that bad about the team. And then. Boom, he throws a pick, and I just, I delete the message. I screenshot and I sent him, like, this was what I was about to say when I said something else. But, um, yeah, I actually felt good through the first three quarters. But let's start off with the bad so that we can get into the good, right? So if you hate bad, please stick it out. I'm not about to be doom and gloom. Like, I've been kind of doom and gloom over the last couple of weeks. I'm not really in that mind state right now. I'm not really feeling... All right, man, let's just go ahead and go through the day. Nah, like, if you work with Cowboy fans, you should really walk through the halls with your head up. They should kind of walk through their head, walk through the halls with their head down. That's just my personal opinion. If you're a Cowboys fan, I do not think you should be impressed with this performance. Um, and this isn't one of those things where you lose a game and now you're bitter. No, I just don't think that was impressive. I completely came in and expected to get blown out by the Dallas Cowboys. I expected them to come off of two losses to the Chiefs and the Raiders and feel like you had to have a statement game. This was not a statement game. I don't think that this made people say, oh, yeah, the, the Cowboys are back. They're back to what they were at the beginning of the year. I really, I really don't. I think that this was a relatively pedestrian performance from the Dallas Cowboys. And this isn't a Cowboys podcast. However, staying uh, close to the area, there's a good amount of Cowboys fans here. Ain't nothing they can say to me. Ain't nothing they can say to me. Not a single word you can say to me. You better say you won and just keep it pushing. Yeah, you won. Don't be prideful in it. A friend of mine, he called me. You know, my guy Dave, he called me. Um, and he talked trash like he's supposed to do because they just won the game. And I told him, man, don't even. He cut me off. He told me. It's all good, though. That's about all you can say to me. He don't care who was there. They won. So they was able to talk trash until the victor goes to spoils. However, I don't think that this is a performance that if you have any Cowboy fans that you're close with that you should sit around that you should sit around and be like, y'all really got us. No, y'all just won the game, and we might see y'all next year. That's, that's really the end of it all, right? Um, likely not seeing them next year, but, you, you know, like you're not going to see them next year because they're going to win their division, and the Saints aren't going to win their division. So you won't see the Cowboys next year, but we'll see them when we see them. Let's get into Taysom Hill, though. Let's get into Taysom Hill and his performance. Um, 
after that interception of Trayvon Diggs, it just felt like now the shift of what the focus is going to be became everything negative. And I mean it in this way. He had good and bad moments. If you can't acknowledge that he had good and bad moments, you're probably just anti-Taysom or you're really just, I can't even say the biggest Taysom supporter because you threw four interceptions. You Even the biggest Taysom supporter can't ignore those, especially that last one. You can't blame it on anybody. It went straight to the guy. So even the biggest, even the biggest pro Taysom fellers and, uh, and gals would have to say Taysom had some mistakes, you know. Even if you're anti-Jameis, pro-Taysom. So, but the biggest Taysom skeptic, you should be able to say that he did some things well because he did do some things well. He did generate offense. However, after that Trayvon Diggs interception, I'm not even talking about the one that return, got returned for six to the, uh, I mean, by the lineman. After that Diggs interception, it just felt like, okay, now you missing Traquan Smith on that touchdown is a bigger deal. Now everything you did wrong was a big Oh, you missed that pass to Marquez Callaway earlier in the game. That's a much bigger deal now. You know, you could have left Traquan Smith running on, on a pass that Anthony Brown broke up. You probably could have let him across the field a little bit more, but you put it kind of right on his body, and Anthony Brown was able to get there. Traquan Smith probably should have more separation. They talked about it on the broadcast. However, with the separation he did have, you still should have thrown it in front but it ended up being broken up because of that. My guy John came on here and talked about completion percentage versus ball placement. Now, in this situation, it ended up being incomplete. However, the ball placement is what led to it. Even if it was a reception, there was yards after the catch there. You wouldn't have got it because of how the ball was thrown. So, shout out to John for talking about that, you know, uh, calling out the box score babies. But that ball placement on that, those are three throws that, honestly – you're probably talking about the the first one of Traquan that should have been a touchdown. However, without those two picks, those other two ones aren't big stories, but I remember them now. I might have forgot. I might not even have worried about the ball he threw to, uh, to Marquez that was deep down the field. I might not have been concerned with it. However, now that you have these interceptions, all the things that you did poorly are brought to the light. All the things that you did well are kind of shunned a little bit and not really focused on. So other than the, the hurdle, it's like, I mean, what good things are you going to just pop out and say about, about Taysom right away? And I want to be clear. That does not mean he didn't do anything good. He did a lot good in this game. I actually did not mind him. However, when you throw those last interceptions, it's like, man, it highlights it. Let me go through. The first one I felt like was a tight window. Steels might have been able to catch it, but it was a tight window. Um, I'm not blaming him for it. It just was tight. It actually was a good throw to get in there. So it's one of those throws that if it was complete, you'd be like, ooh, look at that throw by T That was a nice throw by Taysom. I thought that touchdown was a really nice throw too. Um, but we'll get into that a little bit as we talk about the good. But he got tipped up, and it was really a phenomenal play by the defensive back to come down with that in in uh, inbound. So I'm not going to hold that against him too much. The second one, dude got a whole paw on it in between. In between, uh, as soon as he threw it, I should say. And it led to an interception. Okay, that happens. But that Taysom Hill to Tr Trayvon Diggs interception, that was just a bad read. That was just a bad read. Um, I don't know what he was looking at. I don't know why he made that decision. But that was bad. I don't even think this was one of Diggs' best interceptions. He he was there. And I, I was like, man, what are you looking at? He was right there. 
He didn't have to do anything spectacular, and he's had some really spectacular interceptions this year. He didn't have to do He just had to make sure he caught the ball. It was that simple. So that was a poor decision there. And on that last one, I think this might have been the worst interception of all because as far as discussing his game, he had a lot of low throws. There was one where I think it was Demarcus Lawrence maybe um, or some other defensive lineman that got hit in the helmet. I, I truthfully believe because that player got hit in the helmet, Dan Quinn was on the sideline and said, you know what, he's throwing the ball low. Make sure your eyes are up so that you, you, you can see. Not just to bat it down, but pick it off like that guy did. And he took it to the house. Now all of his low throws are going to be highlighted even more because one of them got intercepted. Those are the type of things that truthfully change when you have interceptions like this because had you not thrown that, had you just had two interceptions, just the first two, both of which can probably be written off as not really your fault, not that bad. I think his day doesn't look that bad. I really do. I think he, I think I would have been a lot more optimistic. Right now I'm saying he's not the guy and I'm very concrete about it. And I felt this way coming in. I'm just being transparent. I felt like he wasn't the guy. However, I wanted to be wrong and I was open to being proved wrong or at least open to gaining hope to be wrong. But now I know he's not the guy because when he's not fumbling, he's throwing interceptions and he's turnover prone. Like the guy turns over the ball a lot. That That's always been the case. However, what I was looking for was some optimism that the Saints could, or that he can be the guy this year that takes the Saints to the playoffs. And I'm not writing it off, but I don't think that he's going to be the reason they make the playoffs. I think now the Saints can make the playoffs on like a war of attrition type of situation where right now it's the Vikings, the 49ers, the Washington football team, the Carolina Panthers, the Eagles, the Falcons, the Saints, the Giants, and the Bears, all within a two-game range. That's nine teams, all between five and six and three and seven. So, or excuse me, four and seven. Five and six and four and seven. So really just in a one-game range, for real. The Saints sitting at five and seven along with the Eagles in the in the Panthers. Both of those teams you lost to. You lost to Atlanta as well. You lost to the Giants. Yes, you're beating these top-tier teams, but now where you're sitting right now, there's a lot of teams that have the tiebreaker over you. Granted, you get to play the Falcons, you get to play the Panthers again and correct that, but the Eagles and the Giants, they have those tiebreakers. If it ends up being a one-on-one tie, they're going to win that. It's just an unfortunate situation, and I know a lot of things have happened now where it's not the same as it was at the beginning of the year. However, this is our reality. Our reality is these teams have a tiebreak on you. Regardless of the situations and circumstances around that game, it is what it is now. Ain't no going back. But if you want to take the Giants and the, and the Bears out, because I really don't think that they're serious, take them out. That's still seven teams all within a half game of each other. Things will get sorted out this week. I think the Panthers might have a bye. I think the Panthers might have a bye week right now. And... I'm pretty sure the Eagles do. I'm, I'm more confident that the Eagles do. But their bye week's on, on the horizon, so they'll probably stay at 5-7 and seven this week. Matter of fact, let me check that just to be sure um, because I don't want to give false information. But um, you have the Panthers who are going to have a bye week this week. They face the Falcons next week. So luckily you have two teams that are going to knock each other off in that. But then you look at the Eagles. They don't have a bye week this week. They have a bye week next week. So this week they're facing the Jets. Um, it's not... It's not looking good. 
if the if the Eagles go six and seven, if they win this week, they're for sure gonna be ahead of the Saints next week because you can't jump them. The the Panthers are gonna end this week ahead of them because you can't jump them. It's these type of situations. The Falcons, um, I'm not gonna say that they're just gonna be above us because they already had their bye week, so we'll see. But no, actually they're five and six, so they'll they even if they lose, they'll be above us. It's situations like this where the Saints are not setting themselves up well. It is what it is, though, right? I wanted the Saints to be one of the two best teams. These, all these seven teams, nine teams are fighting for two spots in the playoffs. And I wanted Taysom Hill to come in and prove to me that he can be the quarterback that leads us to truthfully being one of those two better teams. And he just didn't. Like, you still face the Jets. You might be able to get that victory. I think there. I think you have a lot of winnable games. You still have the Jets, the Panthers, the Falcons, the Bucks, and the Dolphins. Yeah, that's seven. That makes seventeen. So the you have those five teams. I think you can win all those games. Uh, you probably not beating the Bucks. Nah, you probably not beating the Bucks. I just don't think you'll be able to put together enough offense. I could be wrong because I would have said the same thing when when Trevor Simeon came in, and they end up winning that game. So, but overall, you can win the other four for sure. You know, I definitely think all the other four are winnable games, even as they are today. But you could lose all of them, too. And the margin of victory is very slim. If you're looking at four and two or now three and three and one or four and one now. Putting you at nine and eight, I don't think you make it at eight, nine. So at nine and eight, you can only lose one game. That's one slip up. And let's just say that you think that they're going to lose to the Bucks, which I mean, they deserve to be the underdog in. It's one game now. You don't have room for another for another loss. So that's just that situation. It's not, I don't want to get all doom and gloom. Let me talk about the things that I thought that Taysom did well, but are going to get overlooked and overshadowed because he had some really costly mistakes. Some really costly mistakes. And I thought that he actually ran an offense. It was almost like the inverse of the Trevor Simeon because he fell apart in the fourth quarter with those two terrible with those two terrible interceptions. But through the first three quarters, though they only put up ten points, they were moving the ball. It was the first time in over a month that I actually felt good about the offense. They weren't putting points on the board. But this is a type of game that it's not a game that you'll take every week. But coming off of what we had, it's one of those games where it's like I see trending upwards, especially when you're starting to get healthy or hoping that you can start to get healthy. I should say. I see it. I see things getting better because I finally feel like, oh, you can move the ball. Taysom Hill can finally move the ball for, for the Saints. Or Taysom Hill can finally get get the Saints to move the ball. Whether that was running, and I thought that when he scrambled on, on his second scramble, and it was a huge play, I think Sean said, oh, he's good. He can really move. Let's start using it. And it, it was it was the best weapon for the Saints all night. Um, even though he has some, he has some good throws in there. He has some good throws in there as well, but they're just not on the front of my mind. Like they're hard for me to remember. I thought his pass to little Jordan Humphrey was a, was a good pass. Um, he had, he had a really good pass to, was it Deontay Harris? I think it was Deontay Harris on fourth down. That was a really good pass. He put it right there where it needed to be. He had a really good pass to Traquan Smith earlier in the game. But that Deontay Harris one was was beautiful because Harris was going on an in-breaking route. He was going right up into the uh, linebacker. I think that was Keanu Neal. And he put it on Harris's back, like more of his back shoulder. 
And it, it was just beautiful because the linebacker could not get it. That was one of his best throws of the night. And plays like that are highlighted if you don't have interceptions. You remember it. You remember him hurtling over a guy. You remember him putting the team on his back for a drive. But unfortunately, momentum came and things went down. And I think that those those interceptions were very bad timing. Like, like that one at the end of the first half, though, I don't put on him. That just impacted the offense. It just felt like, man, that last two and a half minutes was brutal. You're driving down. You're looking to tie the game. Maybe take the lead with two minutes left in the in the half, and then you throw an interception, or it inter- I don't even want to say throw an interception because it sounds like I'm really blaming him, but they intercept the pass, I should say. Maybe it sounds a little better. And now they drive down, something they hadn't really done all game, just not for real. They drive down, and now they have 17 points. And it's like, man, or 13 points, man. You went from feeling like you might be up 14 to 10, now you're down 13 to 7. You didn't want to see them drive, but I was glad the defense was able to stop them. Those type of plays just, they felt like momentum killers. But at least there was momentum. There wasn't even momentum in the Trevor Simeon time. The only time you got those type of plays and those type of drives was in the fourth quarter. You got like one scoring drive in the first half. Granted, you still have one scoring drive, but you only had one scoring drive where you moved the ball. Now you have one scoring drive, but you have multiple times when you're moving the ball. You know, when when Sean kicked that 56-yard field goal, which wasn't a smart call, it told me he's super desperate. And it tells me he didn't he didn't have confidence that that team would be able to drive down over and over and over. And they actually had success driving the ball down uh, down the field. So he said, man, I don't even know if I'll get close, close enough to get this 56-yarder off again. I got to get every point. I don't know how often it's going to happen. In hindsight, I don't think he does it. I don't think he does it now, but it is what it is. Defensively, they played a good game, but they have the same Achilles heel every game. Explosive plays. Pollard, 58-yard touchdown. Uh, Now, I got to show love to CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb was the best player, might have been the best player on the field, period. Yeah, he was probably, he was definitely the best player on the field, period. And he was killing the Saints. He was killing the Saints in whatever way in the first half. Um, that was the main source of offense. Wasn't no other guy really achieving close to the level of success that he had, honestly. Um, I look at C. Lamb's performances on Bradley Roby, and Dak had a really good throw on one of those passes too. Um, but he didn't have a great game. Saints defense handled their business, but that one that one screen pass where he took Jenkins' ankles, man, he had Jenkins looking like an elderly person. He made Jenkins touch earth like, man, I thought Jenkins was looking for something on the ground. He said, oh, like, oh, it was it was bad. He ain't even, man, that was a, that was a, that was a move right there. That was a move right there. But CeeDee Lamb was a stud. You know, he really played well in his return. And other than that, though, I thought the Saints kept the, the Cowboys in check. Other than that touchdown and that, that huge play. Both of which you have to wonder, man, like, Marcus Williams, what are you doing with your angles? Those were those were bad. That was bad pursuit. That was really bad pursuit. Um And you can't you can't do that, man. It felt like you were jogging. I know you probably might have been playing for the cutback, but overall, that was a what are you doing? That was a what are you doing type of type of performance. Twice. Of course you got CeeDee Lamb out at the one, but Tony Pollard scored. And I really felt like you could have had both of them down before the ten yard line. But 
that was a terrible play, but explosive plays are the death of this team because even when you're playing as well as you are, you have an explosive play, and it's not a 10-yard run. It's a 58-yard run. It's a, it's a big-time screen pass that goes for a lot of yards for CeeDee Lamb. Now, granted, it was a great move, and you got to give a lot of credit to him on that. You got to give a lot of credit to the, to the Cowboys' offense on both of them. However, when you're looking at the Saints, these performances are good. You held this team to 20 points, and they're supposed to be an explosive offense. However, it, 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 looks, it looks a lot better if you don't allow that 58-yard touchdown. You know, they might they might not have been able to drive down, but you let them get in that chunk, that chunk play. So that's the biggest thing with that's the biggest thing with the Saints defense is explosive plays continue to rear his head. And it's something that it doesn't look like they're going to be able to get settled or fixed before the end of the year. Something has to happen now. I want to I want to get into this defense or excuse me, I want to get into these injuries. And I think this is. Not even close. This is the most devastated team by injury. The Titans have a gripe because right now they're big three. They have a big three on offense and all of them are out. They have a gripe. I get it. I don't even know if they come close to the Saints as far as injuries. Um, And I was thinking, about, I was like, man, the Saints are really injured right now. It's bad. But this ain't the first run. Let's start off with what started the second run, though, before we even get into the first run. There's only been like five quarterbacks, starting quarterbacks that have been injured this year. Fitzpatrick, Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Tyrod Taylor, and Jameis. I, I can't really think of any other ones off the top of my head. Zach Wilson and Tyrod Taylor either came back in Tyrod Taylor's case or are coming back in Zach Wilson. Or Zach Wilson has returned too. So they're both back, and Wilson played a long time before he got hurt. Darnold played a long time before he got hurt. <clears throat> so they're both returning. And plus we realize Darnold's not the guy in the time he got hurt. I don't think we felt that way about Jameis. Zach Wilson's a rookie, so I'm a big Zach Wilson fan, so I try not to slander him, but, man, that, that, that guy be making it hard. Fitzpatrick, you had Taylor Heineke. You had a guy in the backup who had led you somewhere. So he got hurt. Obviously, that was going to be their starter, but at least you had Heineke as your backup. Um, And then who was the last person I named? I guess Jameis. Jameis is the last person. He's not coming back. He's out for the year. It's a huge blow. It's a huge blow. Losing your quarterback is, a, is one of the biggest shots you can take as a team. And last night I was thinking, I was like, man, this is bad. I didn't realize the Saints had came on, or I didn't remember, I should say. I forgot because this this run is so bad. I didn't realize, man, the Saints, the Saints went through a run just like this earlier in the season with Jameis as the quarterback. Let me go through the first the first list of uh, injuries, because this is bad. I want to see how long this takes me, because I was wondering when I started writing them down. I wrote, I wrote this part down because I did not want to miss anything. You didn't have a wide receiver one or two, because Traquan Smith wasn't there. Even if you want to say Marquez Callaway was there, whatever. And the worst part about it, I think we've seen that Traquan is the two, though. Um, the worst thing about it, Traquan, when he came back for the one game that he was back, had to be the one. Something that he's never been, that's never been his thing. He wasn't even supposed to be the two. He was supposed to be a three who got pushed into the spot of being a two. And now he's a two, maybe, that's getting pushed into the spot of being a one. This is terrible for him. This is terrible. I never felt like we could really evaluate Traquan Smith or what he would look like in his role. I know what he's not now. I know what he's not, but I don't know what he is. You So you had no wide receiver one or two. 
Um, you have no running back to because Tony Jones Jr. gets hurt, and it leads to you using Alvin Kamara more than you want. It doesn't really affect the play on the game, but who knows what, what that put on his, his body and maybe might have led to this MCL sprain that's kept him out for a couple of weeks. Jameis had his, his um <clears throat> excuse me, Jameis had his offensive line troubles. He was missing his center and his left tackle for most of the time he was there. And then as soon as the left tackle and center came back, the left guard gets hurt in that game. Like the first couple drives. I think like the first drive he comes out. Okay. Then let's look at the defense because I think that's all the offensive starters. Peyton Turner is out to start the year. He comes back, looks good. Oh, yeah, we got a, we got us a good first-round pick. Injuries kind of hampered the rest of his, his season. He's out again now. Marcus Davenport, out to start the year. He's on IR. And then you look at some of the some of the injuries that have a little bit more cushion on them because their replacements came in and played well. Ken Crawley was supposed to be the, the, the second corner this year. I know we don't think about it, and Adebo's played well, so it's the reason we don't think about it. And they got Roby for it when they don't want to put Adebo in. But Ken Crowley was supposed to be your number two corner. And that's how it was looking coming into the into the year. As far as training camp was going, it was kind of a battle, but it felt like they might go with the veteran. But we don't think about that because the replacement played well. Adebo played well enough where it's like, do we even put Roby on the field? And I know they're splitting time now. Then Quan. Quan, you felt Quan's impact or his his absence the impact of his absence because on the Carolina Panthers game, that's when the one the one it was. Oh, I forgot to mention with Jameis, they had a whole game where the whole coaching staff was out with COVID. They got a whole coaching staff going out with COVID in that Carolina game. But you really felt it because Zach Bond struggled in coverage in that game. Pete Warner came in and kind of closed it up. And you kind of forget that Quan was out completely because I thought Pete played really well, and there was a lot of talk about how well Pete played. That's enough for the, for somebody to say that you had the worst injury luck in the league. I'm not even done now. Now we're going to get to the second string of, of injuries. It starts off with Jameis Winston, one of five starting quarterbacks to get hurt and one of the only ones to really be out for the year. Cool. Let's get into it, right? This is hard. It's, it's like, man, we're still going. We're still talking about injuries. I didn't... You don't want to talk about injuries for three minutes. I've only talked about half of the injuries the Saints have sustained, and it's been three minutes. This whole offense is decimated. Eric McCoy, Cesar Ruiz, and Traquan Smith. Those are the only three players on your offense that are playing right now that were supposed to be starters coming into the season. And Traquan Smith isn't even starting in the place that he was supposed to be. He was supposed to be wide receiver two. He's wide receiver one. So really you only have two people, and that's Eric McCoy and Cesar Ruiz that are really playing to the to the status that they're supposed to. Um, this is bad. This is terrible. You don't have no wide receiver one. You don't have no running back one. You don't have no running back. Well, I guess Marks came back now, but for he missed the game as well. You missed running back two. I'm just gonna list the people who have missed. Running back two, running back one, running back three, um, wide receiver one, left tackle, all pro. Right tackle all pro. Left guard. Pro Bowl. Um, all within this time on the offensive side. Let's go to the defense. Now you're getting injuries there too. Marcus Davenport, who was out to start the year, has proven that he's been the best defensive lineman you had all year. He's out now. Tenno Passanio, he's out now. Um, Peyton Turner, he's out now. You don't have a rotation at defensive end. 
that was one of the things that you liked coming in, the depth of your defensive end position. Even if you want to say they're not playing that well, they're there. Not anymore. You have two defensive ends. You have Cam Jordan and Carl Grandison. Do something about it. Chauncey Garner-Johnson is gone. So your slot guy is gone. The en an energy guy is gone. All right, I'm jumping back in because I forgot to mention, now they're telling me that Taysom Hill, who was just coming off of a torn uh, plantar fasciitis, whatever it's called, now has now after throwing the ball, and we saw what happened, he had a splint on his finger during the game, he might need surgery, saying it's similar to the rust situation, which will mean he's out. So all of that joy wouldn't feel so good or sunny days wouldn't be special, ain't nothing about to feel good, ain't nothing about to be special, because if he has to get a, he has to get a surgery, we're going to go right back to Trevor Simeon. Man, I don't know. All I can hope that is that hopefully Taysom's okay. He doesn't need surgery. Alvin can come back. Armstead can come back. And Ramchek can come back and things can turn around. Or maybe even those three help help out Trevor Simeon even more and, and we can get back on the winning side of things. Because right now it just does not look like the Saints playoffs are, are on the horizon. I've seen a notification today. I'm scared to open the article. It said the Saints are closer to a top 10 pick than the playoffs. Ooh, Might have to start doing draft watch on the podcast. But to the next time y'all hear me, go check out Locked On HBCU because I am the new host. I should have said that in the beginning, but I like my intro, so I'm not going to go in and I'm not going to adjust it. I'll just make sure I do it next time. But check out Locked On HBCU, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Monday through Friday, y'all go ahead and check into that, man, because... That's where y'all can find me in the meantime. But till next time, run it back. Listen to Locked on HBCU. Beneath. Blessed.